Today, I'm going to share with you five spiritual principles, simple and clear. They can change your life. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Hey friends, this is Michael Brown. As you hear my voice. I am en route to India, 26th trip to India in 26 years. So if you could pause for a moment and pray for grace on the travels, traveling grace. So there's ability to rest and be refreshed and renewed. Oh, about 40 hours from door to door, leaving my house and arriving at the final destination of India and normally get off the plane and start to minister. So if you could pray, that would be awesome. All this week though, We have special broadcasting prepared for you that I believe will really be helpful, life-changing, impacting. And friends, we're not on the radio to make money. No, it costs us money to be on the radio. We are not on the radio to fulfill some personal ego trip or something as if it's, it's important to be heard by people. No, we're here by divine calling and we're here to serve you, to help you, to equip you, to strengthen you. If you appreciate what we're doing, pray for grace on our lives and ministry that we would fulfill what God has called us to do on radio, on internet, in writing, in books, traveling, preaching, in schools, the things we do around the world. Pray for grace to fulfill the calling and purpose of God. Share what we're doing with your friends. Share the radio station you listen to to encourage friends to tune in or send them a link if you watch online or listen to a podcast Share it with your friends. And if you're able, stand with us, support us, help us. It means the world to us, especially at a time when I'm in India, when we can't bring in funds through speaking and things like that. Rather, we're just pouring out and pouring in. If you could pray with us and stand with us at a time like this, we really, really do appreciate it. To be one of our partners, a one-time partner or a monthly partner, go to askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org. Click on Donate. Thank you in advance for standing with us. And by the way, not the big thing, but you should know, of course, all of your gifts are tax deductible. So it's a great time of the year coming to the end of the year to stand with us with a one-time tax deductible gift or to become one of our monthly partners. All right. We're here on the radio to help you do the will of God, fulfill the, the calling of God, serve God effectively. And if you don't know him to find out who the one true God is and how to be in right relationship with him. We are ultimately passing through this world. Even if you live to be 110 years old, you're ultimately passing through this world. And in the light of world history, each of our lives is just a blip. That's it. And in the light of eternity, it's not even equal to a grain of sand on a beach. And yet, in God's sight, every life is precious. Every life is important. And every life is redeemable for the glory of God. And through the Lord, every life has extraordinary potential. So so don't look at yourself, friend, and discount yourself and say, well, I, who, who am I? I just, I just work some job. Yeah, I'm a garbage collector. Who, who am I? Well, I don't know. I feel like I'm doing nothing. I mean, I cook for the kids in the morning. I send them out and then, you know, I work myself and I come home and I don't know. I don't know. What am I doing? 
or like my ministry. I mean, what's, what's what I, I greet people coming into the church. That's my ministry. I mean, what am I doing? Don't, don't look at it like that. Every human being is uniquely created by God. Every human being has a divine purpose. Every human being through the cross of Jesus can bring eternal glory to God and make an eternal impact on other lives. And the fact of the matter is, we are only as healthy as the body is healthy. Doesn't matter if, if say, the brain is functioning wonderfully, but the rest of the, of the body is completely paralyzed and immobilized. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're healthy in your heart, but you, you've got cancer in your body. The whole body needs to be helpful and, and healthy. And every member has a role and every member has a part. You ever had a toothache, a bad, bad toothache, and it incapacitated you? Well, it's, just, it's one, one little tooth. That's all. Or are you ever, you know, maybe competing athletically and you get a blister on your foot? Just one toe, bad blister, and it sidelines you? Every part of the body counts. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12 that the parts of the body that seem to be less important receive greater honor and even protection. So I want to encourage you, whether you're 15 years old or 85, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're rich or poor, whether your life is looking good outwardly or not, in the Lord, your life can have great significance. So all this week, well, we'll talk about a bunch of different things. But as I'm ministering in India, we want to build you up and strengthen you and encourage you. That's why we're here, friends. We're here as your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. We want to help equip you to be a world changer. We want to help equip you to be an ambassador of the gospel. We want to help equip you to, to be faithful in your calling, whether it's to pray, whether it's to give, whether it's a calling in parenting, whether it's a calling standing for righteousness in the, in the workplace, whether it's preaching behind the pulpit. We know many pastors and leaders listen to the show, watch the show, read our articles. We're here to equip you and strengthen you. So the, the principles I want to share today are so, so simple. And yet often we fail in the basics. We fail in the fundamentals. I've often referenced this, but you'll see a world-famous golfer. And after a tournament, they realize, okay, I, I, I could have done better and they, they practice the fundamentals. They work on their drives. They work on their putting. They, they work on fundamental skills. You know, the same thing if there's a, a major league baseball player, maybe a great hitter, and he's in a slump. So the, the batting coach, the hitting coach, they'll look at film and they'll see, ah, okay, you're, you're slumping your shoulder a little bit here. You used to hold it more erect. Oh, okay, you're, you're doing this double hitch. Just look at the basics. To this day, now saved 47 years by God's grace, I, I'm still majoring on the majors. I'm still working on the basics. Oh, I don't mean that the basics are a mess in my life. What I mean is I know to the extent my roots are dug deeper. I know to the extent that, that the basics are strong in my life, that everything else will flow. Everything else. Doors that need to open will open for you when the basics, when the fundamentals are in place. I'm going to give you five simple principles today, but this is the introduction to the principles, all right? To the extent that the foundation is strong, you can build higher and higher and higher and higher. 
And I'll share again what I've shared many a time with students at our ministry school and many a time on radio, that the most important thing for successful ministry is not being able to preach well or not being able to teach well or not being able to fundraise well or not being able to administrate and organize well. All those things are great and have their place and are important. The, The most important thing for successful ministry is to have deep spiritual roots, to be intimate with God in the word of God and in prayer, to have a vibrant personal relationship with the Lord. Everything else is built on that. Think of someone like Samson. Samson was remarkably gifted. Samson was one of the most supernaturally gifted men we read about in the Bible with this supernatural strength. And he had this covenant with God that as long as his hair was not cut, the strength would be there. Unfortunately, that meant he could live like the devil and still perform these feats for God. He could sleep with a Philistine prostitute, Judges 16, violating all kinds of laws, especially as a leader in Israel, and then get up and carry the city gates on his shoulders. And because the character was not right, because the foundations were not right in his relationship with God, ultimately, that strength became his undoing. He ends up being seduced by Delilah and the Philistines, ends up giving up his secret, ends up losing his strength, ends up being humiliated, and finally, in an act of of wanting to make things right with God, as the strength begins to come back, he gives his life to destroy the enemies of Israel. But it's, it's a very, very sad story. Many times we put all the emphasis on gifting. We put all the emphasis on being anointed. And if we're charismatic Pentecostals, having a gift of healing or a gift of prophecy, those things are wonderful. They are from the Lord. Their spiritual grace is from the Lord, enabling us to glorify him and touch hurting people, magnify the name of Jesus. It's all wonderful. I thank God for those gifts. But if the character is not there, if they're not strong foundations in the word, people can easily drift. They can easily get caught up with power and with manifestations. So here's the great thing that just levels it all and and equalizes it all. Nobody has to know your name for God to raise you up. You don't have to have special connections with the, the big Christian superstars or the media elites or no, you need to be rightly connected with the Lord. You, you don't need a wealthy banker to finance your ministry if God chooses to back you. Now, he may use a wealthy banker. He may connect you with media elites. He may open doors for you to speak at, at a famous mega church that then gets a burden to support you the rest of your life. I mean, he can do all those things. But the great equalizer is that it's not the rich, the famous, the well-connected, who advance the kingdom of God. It's those who are well-connected with the Lord, those who really know the Lord, those who walk with him. And friends, I've watched it for 47 years. I've watched when I honor him in secret that he blesses me in public, that when I honor him in private, he opens doors for the the whole world to hear. Not every human being on the planet, but you know what I'm saying. That, That when we do what's right in his eyes, He knows how to make the connections. Some time back, I just wrote out a list of every supernatural connection God's had for me. And and most of the major ministry doors that have opened for me, be it preaching in certain key places, be it working with certain key individuals, be it publishing with certain publishers, be it 
traveling to certain nations. Most of the doors that have opened have opened supernaturally through divine connection and not through human effort. And, and God has often reminded me of Galatians 3, having begun in the spirit, are we now going to reach our goal by the flesh? In context, talking about starting with grace and reaching our goal by the works of the Torah. But in the larger context, what it's saying is the God who birthed the thing will sustain it. So whoever you are, don't compare yourself to anybody else. Don't compare your life to anybody else's life. Don't measure your effectiveness by someone else's effectiveness. Find out, Father, what do you want me to do? How can I please you? How can my life glorify you? At the end of my days, what will it take for me to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant? All right, these are the foundations. We're going to come back and start with five spiritual principles that will change your life. Friends, simple and by God's grace, doable. We'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Friends, thanks for joining us today on The Line of Fire. Call a friend, text a friend, email a friend, whatever other way you have contacting a friend. Tap them on the shoulder if they're sitting next to you and say, hey, tune in to Line of Fire all this week. God willing, as I am in India this week, with dear friends there for the 26th time in 26 years. Uh, some well, a, a lot to talk about, which I'll, I'll, I'll tell you when I get back from India for, for quite a few reasons. Talk about it more when I get back. But we're, we're going to have a special broadcast all this week that I think will really help you grow, be strengthened in the Lord, have a good, healthy perspective on life and calling. All right, five spiritual principles that will change your life. Number one, seek first the kingdom of God. Number one, seek first the kingdom of God. Let me read for you in Matthew, the sixth chapter, as Jesus is talking to his disciples and saying, don't, don't be anxious, all right? He's talking about covetousness and greed, love of money. And, and then he says this, uh, this is why I tell you, verse 25, Matthew six, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body what you wear, saying, don't, don't worry about any of that. Rather, rather, uh, is, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns. Your heavenly father feeds them. Are, aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add a single cubit to his life by, by, by his single cubits, a foot and a half to his height by worrying or single inch? And what do you worry about clothes? learn how the wild flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all the splendor was adorned like one of these. That's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow. Won't he do much more for you? You have a little faith. So don't worry saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? So he's not saying don't work. He's not saying don't think about it. King James, take no thought means here, don't, don't worry. Don't worry about these things for the idolaters eagerly seek all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Principle number one, seek first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Put spiritual things first. Major on the majors first. You say, well, what, what exactly does that mean? Let, let me give you an illustration I've used before, but perhaps many of you have never heard it. It's a terrific illustration. There was a gentleman giving a public presentation and he had a giant glass vase. So you could see right through it, giant glass vase. And he took some big rocks and he, he put them in the vase, just big enough so they get in the mouth of the vase and go down the neck there, put them in the vase and put them right up to the top. He said, uh, so you think the vase is full? Everyone, yeah, it's obviously full. He said, okay, now watch. And then he took these, these really small stones and began to drop them in. And they, they started to fall in and fill all the holes there. It's like, you think it's full now? Uh, people raised their hand, but they weren't all so sure. Okay, now watch. Then he took this fine gravel and poured that in. And uh, is it full now? Like, uh, maybe. And then he took sand and poured the sand in and every last square inch filled. And yeah, it's totally full. So he said, what's the, what's the moral of the story here? What's the purpose of this illustration? Now, my explanation, my answer would have been, there's always room for more. Or you can always get in more, right? No, no, that, that wasn't the purpose of the illustration. The illustration was put in the big rocks first, because if you don't, there won't be any room for them afterwards. Put in the big rocks first. You need to look at your life. You need to look at your schedule. And you need to say, okay, how can I put first things first? You may not have all the hours that you want to have to spend with God. You may not have as much time as you'd like to devote to him. But if you will put him first, so let's say it means getting up in the morning, just even 10 minutes earlier to start, just to have 10 quality minutes with God. Or, or setting aside some, finding a way to, to grab a little extra time just to read the word. Or let's say you're driving in your car to work. Or you're riding a bus or something. You're, you, you're going to work. You have, you have a little bit of a, of a commute. right? Do you have the ability at that time to listen to the word instead of listening to the news? Do, do you have to listen to the news? Do you have to read the newspaper? Do, do you have to listen to that podcast? Do you, ha do you have to... Watch this particular thing, you know, on your phone. <clears throat> do you have the ability? Your, your work is not requiring it of you to be doing something else. Do you have the ability to make a choice of what you do at that time? Why not listen to the word first? You say, you don't understand my day, like from, from early in the day to late. I mean, every minute taken care. Okay. So then when you have discretionary time, surely somewhere in the course of the day, you have discretionary time. Why not put God first? <clears throat> Why not put seeking him first? And if you can make a more radical decision, a more substantial decision and say, well, I, I waste an hour a day. I waste two hours a day. And the truth be told, even many of us who are busy do waste a decent amount of time over the course of the day. We can just get lost searching the net. We can just waste time watching TV, caught up with sports or playing a video game or whatever the, the habit is, okay? Some things are just negative in themselves. Some are neutral, but they're negative in that they take time away. Put God first. If you know the story of David Wilkerson and the birth of Teen Challenge, it's quite a supernatural story. 
And his life thereafter was quite supernatural. And to this day, the legacy of his life and ministry continues in many different ways, including Teen Challenge with, I believe, over a thousand Teen Challenge centers worldwide and the single most effective drug rehab work in the world. So what happened in his life? Well, he used to watch late night TV. Remember TV then, what you're talking about in the 50s, TV then was not the same as TV now. So it's a lot worse, trashier now. But he would stay up late and he was a late night person and watch TV for a couple hours late at night. Midnight, one, two in the morning. And God spoke to him and said, give those hours to me. So for a period of months, he began to seek God earnestly during that time. And suddenly, supernaturally, unexpectedly, God opened those doors for him. And next thing, Teen Challenge was birthed in a ministry that's touched the world across in the Switchblade story and on and on it goes. So seek him first. Put the big things in your day first. Find time. Here, maybe you're, you're a mom with a bunch of kids. You're homeschooling. It seems your day is seamless and has no beginning and no end. Does your husband have the ability to, to help you out, say, one night or one weekend day for a few hours where you can just get alone with God? Or even to have that hour of quality time where you don't have to think about anything? And you can just pray and worship or get in the word. We need to prioritize spiritual life. We need to prioritize spiritual effort. And we need to prioritize kingdom principles. Here, the same thing with giving. Give the first fruits. Give the first fruits. Tithing was required in the New Testament. I believe God calls us beyond tithing in the New Testament to, to sacrificial generosity. We're certainly called to give. And what's the principle? Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12, excuse me, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your first fruits. So, so start by honoring him with what comes in first. Abel gave the first slings of his flocks. Whereas Cable just, uh, Cable, Cain, excuse me, Cain and Abel. Cain just gave an offering from the, from the ground. You say, well, was it that one was a blood sacrifice, the other not? I don't think that was the emphasis there. I think the emphasis was that Abel gave the firstlings, the, the, the very best he had, the first of it he gave to the Lord. What does Paul write in directives to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 16, that the first day of the week they should set aside money? It's not because Sunday was their church day. No, it's because the first day of the week, that's the beginning. So set aside money, and then when he came, he was going to bring it in a collection to help the poor saints in Jerusalem. So give. First, you say, but I, I don't know if I give first that my other needs will be met. Well, it's, it is a faith thing that we do, but I've been amazed over the years to see as we honor the Lord first, as we put him first, that all the other things we need will be added to us. I remember learning this big time when I was in college and I had all these papers to finish and I thought there's no way I'm going to get them done. I procrastinated. I waited till the last minute. There's no way I'm going to be able to get them done on time and turned in. And I felt the Lord say to me, seek me, seek me. It's like, but I, I don't have the, every minute, every minute counts. Every minute counts. I don't. And I felt clearly you need to pray for a while. Forget about the other stuff. You need to just go after me. 
And I did. I prayed. I communed with the Lord. I was in the word. It took a substantial period of time. And then I don't know how I got everything done in like half the time it should have taken. And some of you are nodding because you've seen the exact same thing happen in your own life. So simple principle. First things first, major on the majors. If, if you're frustrated with the course of your life and feeling you're going around in circles, 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 then do what you need to do to put seeking God first, being with the Lord first, following him first, giving first, honoring him first. Determine to do that and you will begin to see your life coming into order. You'll begin to see divine pruning, removing things that are distractions and getting in the way. You'll begin to see much more fruit being born. All right, first principle, we've got four more to go. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Stand where he stands and for what he stands. All the other things fall into place. We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, welcome to the Line of Fire. This is Michael Brown. As you hear my voice today, I am en route to India for my 26th trip there in 26 years. So again, all through the week, we'll be asking for prayer on this trip, grace and anointing on the ministry that we do as we serve the folks there uh, grace to rest and get productive work done in the many hours of travel in each direction. But we've got special broadcasts prepared for you that I believe will really bless you and help you. And today I, I want to lay out for you five simple spiritual principles that will really change your life. First, let me remind you of an account in the Bible. There was an Aramean general named Naaman, Syrian, Aramean, same thing. And he was a leper. We call it leper today, but it would have been some extreme skin condition different than leprosy as we know it, but we refer to them as lepers. So he had this severe condition and there was a young Israelite woman who had been captured in war. And she said, well, if, if, uh, you know, you get to Elisha, the prophet, he'd heal you right now. So he hears about him and he goes with this great procession. He's got all these gifts to bring and all this. And Elisha doesn't even come out to greet him. He just sends a messenger. Read about it in 2 Kings 5. He just sends a messenger. And uh, what? What are you talking about? You don't, you don't come yourself? And worse still, the messenger says, uh, go, um, go dip in the Jordan River seven times and you'll be completely healed. What are you? I come all the way here to Israel. The prophet doesn't come out to honor me. To, I'm a mighty general in my country. And he tells me to go dip in the, come on, I can dip in the, River in my country. I got nicer rivers there in this muddy Jordan. Who needs this? I expected the prophet to come out and hold up his staff and heal. Be healed. Oh, come here for this. So one of his servants says, sir, if, if he asked you for some difficult thing, wouldn't you have done it? If you will go and conquer 10 giants and come back with their heads on a pole, you'll be healed. If he gave you some exploit to do if you will climb the highest mountain no he gave you some if he gave you something big and difficult to do wouldn't you do it yeah well how about something like this so he humbles himself he dips in the jordan seven times and he's instantly healed when he comes out the seventh time wow well it's it's the same 
principle, friends. It's the same principle. If we'll do the simple things, if we'll do the basic things, if we'll do, in that sense, the easy things, all the difficult things will fall into place. And if you're like me, you want your life to count. You, you don't want to waste your whole life. One life we have. You know, being with family around Thanksgiving and watching the, the grandkids grow and families develop and you think, I want my life to count. I want the years I have to count. I, I want them to be valuable in God's sight and in the, the sight of, of this world. So first thing, we've got to seek God first. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Remember the Israelites, when they would gather the manna, they had to get it first thing in the morning in the wilderness wanderings. Otherwise, it, it would rot, Exodus, the 16th chapter. There is something about seeking God early. I, I've been a late night person pretty much all my life, and I've had many wonderful times seeking God late, but, but I know I must prioritize being with him. I must make decisions to put him first, to pray first, to be in the word first, and then let the other things happen. So number one, simple, basic, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You do that you'll see change come in your life. Oh, and by the way, you really do it seriously. You'll find out there's a devil. Uh Uh-huh. One of the Puritans said that when we go to pray, Satan knows that we're going to fetch strength against him. Therefore, he opposeth us with all of his might. It's a pretty accurate quote. So yeah, you, (laughs) you determine to put him first, you'll find spiritual resistance for sure. Okay, that's number one. Number two, do what your hand finds to do. Do what your hand finds to do. You know, Ecclesiastes 9 reminds us, you can't do it in the grave. Dead dog is better than a living lion. Yeah, you might have all these great plans and dreams and you're dead. You can't accomplish them. Got a chance to do it now. Do it now. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, word, or indeed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it and do it for the Lord. You say, well, who doesn't know this? Well, okay, I know we know it, but do we do it? Let me explain. A lot of times we have great plans for the future. We have great dreams for the future. Here, let's just take basic things. After Thanksgiving, how many of you are planning on dieting in the future? Well, after the Christmas holidays, New Year, New Year's, how many are going to make New Year's resolutions? I'm going to get in better shape. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to spend more quality time with my kids. I'm going to take that step of faith and preach on the street corner. I'm I'm going to, I'm going to step out in this ministry area. I'm I'm going to be more devoted to my children. I'm, I'm going to conquer that bad habit. I'm going to break that addiction. We get these great plans for tomorrow, these great visions for tomorrow, but you live in today. We live in perpetual today. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow never arrives, right? We're, we live in a perpetual today. And the question is, what do you have the ability to do today? Do it. I, the only thing I can do today is, is uh, well, as a guy I work with, I could, I could, uh, try to open up a conversation with him about the Lord. It's not like being a missionary overseas or preaching to millions of people or, or you know, having power like the president has or well, who cares about any of that? The question is, what can you do now? What can you do today? Do it. Well, what's it going to lead to? Don't worry about that. 
well, well, what about tomorrow? Don't worry about that. In fact, it struck me years ago that many of our promises of obedience tomorrow are excuses for a disobedience today. In other words, do what you can do. I'm going to go on a 40-day fast starting tomorrow. Well, right now, if you know you shouldn't have that extra scoop of ice cream, why not avoid that? I am going to start praying four hours a day, the first of the year. Wonderful. Hope you do it. But right now, you got 15 minutes free. Why not pray? I am... I'm going to knock on every single door in my neighborhood and share the gospel. I'm going to, we're family. We're going to make these cookies, bake these cookies. And we're going to go to our neighbors and offer them cookies and share the gospel. We're going to do it, reach every person in our neighborhood. Wonderful. I hope you do it. But, but how about being nice to your coworker today so that you can introduce that person to Jesus? I'm going to be the world's best mom. I, the homeschooling is going to be off the charts and my kids are going to be the most spiritual kids in the community. Wonderful. I hope that's all true. But how about right now, giving quality time to that one kid that needs it? See, a lot of times we make these great plans for tomorrow in order to excuse our disobedience today, to excuse our laziness today, to excuse our, our lack of zeal today. How about doing what your hand finds to do. Man, I got this massive to-do list. It is so big. I mean, it's like, there's no possible way I could, okay, do one thing. You know, there's paralysis by analysis where you just figure it out, figure it out, figure it out, and you can't move. And then there's paralysis by being overwhelmed. It's just too, oh, okay, all right. Here, the same thing with cleaning your house. We're getting some, you know, boxes put away after a move or catching up on emails or whatever the thing is, or, or losing weight. Yeah, by God's grace, I lost 95 pounds in less than eight months, not by dieting, just by radically changing my entire lifestyle. And by God's grace, it's been my lifestyle now for the last four and a quarter years. But as much as I lost weight rapidly, I still didn't lose 95 pounds in a day or in a week or in a month. Eight months, yeah, that's fast, but that's still eight months. But it's eight months of making a choice each day. So it's same thing, whatever your goals are. Man, I'm just not a powerful person of prayer. I just don't know the word. Okay, do one thing. Do And don't worry about building, how am I going to build on it? No, no, do what your hand finds to do. Why, if you've got a burden to pray, why not pray? Now, if, if you've got time and, and you're, you're surfing the net, you know, and just, oh, okay, stop because you can do something more constructive now. And see, here's the thing. Since we live perpetually in today, since we live in the perpetual now, then what I do now affects what's coming next. In, in other words, if, if I'm building a foundation and I put, I put something down now, that's there. Now I, I can build more on that than more on that than more on that. There's a great principle I often quote from Proverbs 16, 3. I'll quote it in Hebrew. It says, Gol Adonai which is literally roll upon the Lord your works and your plans, your thoughts will be established. What's it saying? What you're doing right now, today, commit that to the Lord. Roll that over on the Lord. Don't, I don't know about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. See, when you obey today, 
it's going to change what happens tomorrow. Here, look at it like this. You're in a, a giant ship and the ship is off course. And you think, whoa, we've got to make a radical course connection. Okay, so you can't turn the thing in a second, right? It's Number one, it's not possible. Number two, if you tried to, the thing would capsize. So what you do is you, you turn it. So you make the most radical turn you can, and it's going to be a little degree. But now when you make the next turn, you're a degree in that direction. And the next turn, a degree in that direction. And the next turn, another degree in that direction. And before you know it, the turn is easier and smoother and more observable. You see? Conversely, if you waste the time today, if, if you indulge the flesh today, if you do the wrong thing today, it just makes it that much easier to repeat the wrong, to repeat the error the next day. So you want to set a good course for tomorrow? Obey today. So number one, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Number two, whatever your hand finds to do, do it. I'm, I want to write like 30 books and I, I want to, do, oh, okay, but can you write a paragraph for a blog right now? Oh, I want to reach, I want to reach millions with the gospel. All right, can, can you pray? Can you pray for souls now? So I've listen, trust me, I burn day and night with massive vision way, way, way beyond anything that we've done. And then when we get to that level, what I've been dreaming about, it, it just feels like the, the floor for the next level. It's felt like the ceiling before. Now it just feels like the floor and you're burning for the next. But key thing is, what does your hand find to do now? What are you able to do now? Give yourself to that. It will set the course for the next day and the next and the next. And if you keep doing it each day, obey the Lord. Do what your hand finds to do. Do what your hand finds to do. Do what your hand... And I'm just thinking of sending a text to somebody to encourage you. Look at, do it. Do it. You got Okay, you got a minute. But am I going to follow? Don't worry about that. Do what your hand finds to do. All right, I got three more principles that have to do with stewardship. We'll look at those when we come back right here on the special broadcast on The Line of Fire. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us today on The Line of Fire. Michael Brown, as you hear my voice, I am en route to India for my 26th time by God's grace and provision. Thanks for praying for me. And again, if you could just, when you hear my voice, just stop and pray a simple prayer, Father meet all the needs of this ministry in Jesus' name. I would really, really appreciate if you would do that. It would mean so much to me and our team as we trust God for his provision through the end of this year and to keep on growing and expanding in gospel work around the world in the new year. All right, five simple principles that can change your life forever. Number one, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Number two, do what your hand finds to do. Now, three, four, and five come from a parable of Jesus in Luke 16, which I'll read to you. He also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who received an accusation that his manager was squandering his possessions. So he called the manager in and asked, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you can no longer be my manager. Then the manager said to himself, what should I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do. So that when I'm removed from management, people will welcome me into their homes. So he summoned each one of his master's debtors. How much do you owe my master? He asked the first one. A hundred measures of olive oil, he said. Take your invoice, he said. Sit down quickly and write 50. Next, he asked another, how much do you owe? hundred measures of wheat, he said. Take your invoice, he told them, and write 80. 
The master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted astutely. For the sons of this age are more astute than the sons of light in dealing with their own people. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of the unrighteous money so that when it fails, they may welcome you into eternal dwellings. It's an interesting parable in that the master is praising someone who is acting unscrupulously, but he's trying to work things out so that these guys would now like him once he, once he left and, and the master says, Hey, you, you did well and you did well dealing with your own. And Jesus is saying the world understands that and the world understands how to use money for its purposes. We need to use money for gospel purposes. Now, again, there's a lot of discussion about the parable, but, but let's look at the application. All right. Number one, whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. So if you've not been faithful with the unrighteous money, who will trust you with what is genuine? And if you've not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you what is your own? All right. Principle number three, faithful in little, faithful in much. Faithful in little, faithful in much. Shall I say it again? Faithful in little, faithful in much. There's an old poem that says, find out what God would have you do and do that little well for what is great and what is small, because only God can tell. I've shared this so many times, but when I was first on radio and our stations were mainly a few stations in North Carolina, maybe slightly beyond that. And I was praying one day and I said, Lord, if you'll give me a million listeners a day, I will make this show the very, very best it can possibly be. And I didn't, I didn't need the Lord to answer. I mean, I got an immediate answer. I don't know if it was the Lord speaking or my own mind telling me what I knew to be true. But the answer was, make this show the very best it can be, and I'll give you the million listeners. In other words, rather than waiting until you arrive, waiting until you are discovered, waiting until your great gifting is, is seen by the, the, the spiritual eyes of the great one. No, no, no. You know, it's like the the spiritual equivalent of America's Got Talent or American Idol or whatever the thing is where you're going to become famous. People are going to spot you and yes. And rather than waiting for that moment, Lord, if you'll open a door for me to be on America's Got Talent, I know you've anointed me to sing. If you'll open that door, I will really, really work on my voice. No, no, no. Work on your voice now. Lord, if I'll be asked to speak at Times Square Church in Brooklyn Tabernacle, I, I promise you I'll put together the greatest message. Well, uh, how about working on your preaching now? Faithful in little, faithful in much. But it seems so insignificant. Be faithful in this. I, this is too trivial for me. Be faithful. This is demeaning to me. Be faithful in little and you'll be faithful and much. God will entrust you with more. Don't be some spiritual prima donna. Don't be too big, so to say, to, to change diapers. Don't be too big to, to do the little things, the insignificant things. In fact, God's watching when no one else is watching. He is. You know, I, I started in my home church teaching children like three, four, five, six, however small they were. I don't know how long I did it. I really don't remember it well, but I remember the pastor saw I was zealous. So you teach the children. I did not have a proclivity for teaching children. I was not specially gifted with teaching little children. I was 17, 18 years old with no real experience in it, but he saw I was zealous. Start there. Be before I preach from the pulpit, 
I had knocked on doors sharing the gospel. Basically, every single person in my home community, about 300 families, I knocked on every door. I preached everyone I could in high school. I didn't have all the, the wisdom and compassion, but I had the zeal and the commitment. And uh, I, I asked a bunch of leaders one time that were all well-known and, and, and preaching publicly and all this. And I said, how many of you first preached on a street corner or handed out tracts or door-to-door? Basically, everyone, every one of us raised our hands. You know, they're... There are people with ministries now reach, that have reached tens of millions and they started on a street corner playing an accordion or a guitar and sharing the gospel. Be faithful in little and God will entrust you with much. That's number three. So number one, seek first the kingdom of God. Number two, do what your hand finds to do. Number three, be faithful in little. Number four, be faithful with money. Be faithful with earthly possessions. Oh no, God, I'm just, man, I just want to be spiritual. Okay. But if you're so irresponsible with funds, if you're so in debt, if you're so untrustworthy with, with earthly things, how is God going to trust you with spiritual things? Look, I'm, I'm not uh, a, a finance guy. I believe God for funds and, and, you know, lead ministry with funds if I had to. And, be the head of our home with finances, but things go much better when we have folks handling that because that's not my strength. That's not my strength. Now, I've been faithful. I've been responsible by God's grace, but that's not my thing. Still, God has required faithfulness for me in that area, even though I'm not a money guy, even though I'm not a, a really gifted fundraiser, even though I'm, I'm not a good like balancing the budgets and financial planning for years and all this. God still requires it of me and my ministry to be faithful with money. And, and I know before God, we are good stewards. I can tell you that. I can tell you that. And everybody can come here and open our books. We are excellent stewards by God's grace. And there's nothing stopping us from being entrusted spiritually because we haven't mismanaged funds materially. I'll shout that out for the whole world. Some years back, a, a guy was writing this major article about me for a local publication and he set it up as if it was going to be a positive article, but it was really more of a hit piece. And he was really digging, in this case, in our school of ministry. And he was going to dig up all the dirt and all the salaries. <laughs> when he did all the research, he didn't say anything about it because it made us look too good that we were ministering too sacrificially. And he didn't want to report that because it'd make us look good. So even if you're not a finance guy, and I'm not, we've got to be faithful with earthly things, with money and material possessions. So number one, seek first the kingdom. Number two, do what your hand finds to do. Number three, be faithful in little. Number four, be faithful in material things. And number five, be faithful in stewarding that which belongs to someone else. Someone lends you their car, you bring that car back in better shape and with a fuller tank of gas than when you got it. You work for someone else's ministry. You are zealous for their reputation and the good of that ministry and the well-being of that ministry as if it was your own. When you are irresponsible with that which belongs to someone else, ah, I don't really share that burden or calling, but it's just where I'm working now. Well, you work as if that's the most sacred thing in the world. You, you know, my job, I'm just kind of bored with it. Fine. But you are a steward over your time and you're getting paid by your employer. You be faithful over that which belongs to someone else else. And God himself will make you faithful 
over that which belongs to you, or you will have the privilege of being faithful of that which belongs to you. God will give you something of your own. You, and look, all of us who served in ministry and served for, in other ministries and worked for others, or have had job situations where we're, we're ultimately called to have our own company, but first we have to cut our teeth working for others. All of us know the frustration that can be there, the sense of I want to do things differently, the sense of just have to swallow your pride and do what you're asked to do. But remember, not only are you honoring the Lord and that person, your employer, your boss, the spiritual leader, whoever it is, not only are you doing that, you're also putting spiritual money in the bank for the future for your own life. In other words, as you are faithful with that which belongs to someone else, God will give you that which belongs to you. Friends, you do these things in these order. You, you are faithful in the little. You are faithful in material things. You are faithful in that which belongs to others. God will entrust you with much. He'll entrust you with spiritual riches. He'll entrust you with, with much that is your own. And you build a foundation of seeking him first, doing what your hand finds to do, whatever it is, do it. That's why I say, hey, could you just pray a prayer for us, Father? Meet the needs of this ministry. Take a second and do it now when the show's end. Show's over. Take a minute and pray. God answers those things. God, God responds to those things. And what happens is we develop patterns of life that will last through eternity, meaning the good seed that we sow will bear fruit in eternity, meaning that the foundations on which we build will stay steady for eternity. All right, back with you tomorrow for a special broadcast as we minister in India. Can't wait to share more with you. Pray that you are blessed and overflowing in the Lord.